Hello and welcome to Mars Matters, a six-part health-themed podcast series that explores the issues most important to you. Brought to you by Mars Pharmacy and hosted by me, journalist and author Caroline Foran. Across this series, we'll be looking at everything from managing anxiety, which is a particular area of interest to me, to understanding fertility, the importance of sleep, your gut microbiome and so much more. For each of the six episodes, we will be joined by a relevant expert. Only the best of the best in their respective fields across Ireland and the UK will be on hand to tackle the health concerns that affect so many of us. Each episode will focus on one topic and its related issues so that you can tune into what's most relevant to you and your experience. For this episode, we are honing in on menopause, which is a very real issue affecting every single woman at a certain point in their life. And for this, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Mary Ryan, consultant endocrinologist and senior lecturer at the University of Limerick and Bon Secours and Autiven. Dr. Mary Ryan, thank you so, so much for joining me on the Mars Matters podcast. You're an incredibly busy woman. So thank you for taking the time out to chat with us today. Tell me a little bit first about what you do, your background and what puts you in this position to chat to us about menopause. Okay, so I went to Trinity College. That's where I did medicine and I loved it. Trinity is fabulous. And then I went to, I actually started out with doing cardiology with Professor Ian Graham and I did a lot of research with him. But then I met Professor Gerald Tomkin and he was an amazing mentor and he just said, look, you know, you would love this. You would love the whole hormones and Mm. how they work and how they operate and how they affect every organ. And he fascinated me so much that I went down the road of endocrinology and it's the science of hormones so what people don't realise is that we we have a little hormone control centre on top of our nose called the pituitary gland Mm -hmm. and the hormones have to get to every muscle so muscles can't work without hormones and hormones control everything people don't realise that and they also control our immune system so it's very important that that's recharged and I think I got fascinated as I saw the link between ill health and hormone imbalance Um, you know we we saw it all the time particularly in women unfortunately because women multitask so much Mm -hmm. that the pituitary gland gets tired and therefore hormones fall at every nerve muscle junction and that's why women get aches and pains in their muscles that's also why they have irritable bowel because the bowel is a muscle wrapped up in itself and if the circadian rhythm is out which it is when you're tired and the pulsatility is wrong then you're going to get bloating passing and belching Mm. and that there you know and so all of these things are linked up and so everything comes back to hormones absolutely and even a poor night's sleep which of course we'll be talking about later because it's one of the symptoms of perimenopause and menopause but the reality is it's again hormone imbalance because once you're overtired which you are in perimenopause, menopause, because those hormones are, are moving upwards that because eggs are depleted. The hormones crash at the nerve muscle junction of every muscle. And if a muscle can't relax, that's why you can't sleep. Wow. So it's, it's very interesting. And then when you get overtired, Again, what happens is the body senses that the body is amazing at best design ever Mm -hmm. uh, at doing negative and positive feedback with hormones. But when it senses it's overtired, it secretes adrenaline, but adrenaline won't be taken on up up because the body is too tired. The receptors are too tired. So it'll go into the bloodstream and you'll get severe palpitations and sweating. And of course, that makes your symptoms way worse. So I already feel like I've learned so much (laughs) in just that little bit. And just tell me about your role today. So you're all around the country giving talks and lectures. Mm. Yeah. How do you spend your time as an endocrinologist? So, so I am based, you know, I'm a senior lecturer in the University of Limerick and I love educating the postgraduate students on all the different aspects of medicine. And we do, I do 
research with them as well. But as well as that, I run clinics um, in the Bonsecours in Limerick and in Oteven. And those clinics would be endocrine clinics, thyroid, infertility, uh, diabetes, mm-hmm. um, deal with osteoporosis, which we'll be talking about later, uh, and deal with everything to do with hormones, basically. Yeah. So one of the big things we would see is where severe burnout causing pituitary fatigue. And we see a lot of women, but men also with that. Um, I had last week only a lovely woman who um, for six years, she was in her 60s, had been suffering dreadfully from a desperate IBS where she was literally going to the toilet all, all of the day and she'd been through all the tests and everything was negative and she was really frustrated because she just wanted something to, to she wanted yeah. yes and she'd heard me speak at, at um, a bio because I, I spoke oh, at the bio wellness the bio yes well. yes purely because I thought you know what we need to do is get out and educate yeah. because I can only see so many but I think if we educate people about their bodies then they, they know can make informed choices mm-hmm. and I think that's really important so that's the reason I, I do educate but anyway this lady came you you know, um, came to me in, in the Bonds and Limerick and once I heard her story I, I knew straight away this is hormone imbalance affecting her bowel muscle and once we got her on the right medication it was fabulous. Her, her husband rang me up and said I have my wife back again oh my God. and her her son was in the States and he, he rang me and said you know this is amazing. So it's lovely to make such positive effects in people's yeah. lives. And do you think that people are largely unaware about the impact of their hormones? Totally. Like totally. There's not enough awareness out there unless they're going to your talks so they're at the events yes. why is that why, why are we so clueless about hormones I think maybe you know as doctors we, we do our best but we need to do more in the line of education I think one of the things that's come up is that communication skills are key and uh, you know for me as, as a doctor I was very privileged to, to work in Trinity and the related hospitals here me the James is Adelaide Tala around um, here in Dublin but one of the things my mentor taught me was listening was very important mm-hmm. I think you have to be a great listener as a doctor but you also have to be a good communicator yes. so you have to communicate you have to listen and make sure you've got the proper history and if, you know needle it out to yeah, make you're sure you for the nuance absolutely of what absolutely yeah. but you equally have to communicate what's wrong why they need to ta- do what they need to do and why they need to take the medication because mm-hmm. I've, I haven't communicated all of that there is no point in them coming to me if they're not going to make the lifestyle changes I need them to do to recharge their whole hormone control system but in, in, in absolutely as well they need to take the medication and I need to tell them why and I need to tell them how long and, and what to expect and that basically stops all the worry There's so many different health concerns that we could relate back to pretty mm-hmm. much everything could relate back to hormones but yes, totally. for today's podcast we're going to hone in on menopause yes. which is an issue affecting all those all women of, of which is half of the population which I, I think sometimes people forget that women are half of the Irish population crazy. we're not treated like we're half of the Irish no. population we should be treated more equally and that's something I'll be addressing in a minute but basically it's going to happen every woman every single yes okay. so perimenopause is, is first and that's where you know right before so if I just briefly explain so listeners can understand so at puberty what happens is the FSH secretes from the pituitary gland and that basically is trying to push the follicles in the ovary to produce eggs. Okay. okay? We believe the LH is the other hormone in the pituitary, which helps as well. But the main um, function of the LH is to cause ovulation, right? Mm-hmm. And once ovulation, you've got this huge peak of LH, right, at, at ovulation. Now, if the pituitary is overtired, you don't get that peak. 
Okay, so that's one of the reasons women don't get pregnant, because just because you're getting a period doesn't mean that you actually have ovulated. Okay, so that's really important. So then after the if ovulation has taken place and there is no fertilization, that little corpus luteum that's formed secretes progesterone. And when that progesterone eases out, then you get your period after 28 days. Right. Mm -hmm. So what happens then at perimenopause is that the ovaries are becoming depleted of eggs and the FSA goes way up, right? FSH. FSH is the follicular follicular, uh, synthesizing hormone, okay? Okay. And that hormone basically uh, goes way up. And if you're tired, which of course women are terrible, because mm-hmm. and the reason I know this is I see so many women, I always ask, so what do you do with your day? Because I've examined them, I know what's wrong, but I have to find out what to do with their day. And they're just running all day mm. and they're not asking for help. And, and they're and not realising the impact that their lifestyle is having on Absolutely, on hormones. their health. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're coming in and they're, their pituitary gland is exhausted. So therefore, they're really feeling the worst effects of perimenopause and menopause. And about what age should this happen or can we expect it to happen? So perimenopause usually is 45 to 50, but some do get it younger. And if your mother got it younger, you will get it younger. That that is definitely the case. So we see some at 39, you know, but usually it's 45 to 50. So what happens at that time at perimenopause, FSH is going up because eggs are being depleted and therefore hormones are going down at every nerve muscle junction, right? So because remember, hormones control muscles. Mm -hmm. So that's why women get tired, aches and pains. That's why they're not sleeping right. So their energy levels are going down. And of course, then you're getting irritable. So all these symptoms are very real. (laughs) (laughs) They're very real, right? So the, the key thing is to educate women and say, look, this is going on and when you feel tired don't think it's in your head that's what most women think and they think they just need to get absolutely. on with this absolutely and, and depression is overdiagnosed in women which is annoying right because okay. in the most cases it's just exhaustion tiredness and they need to pull back mm. and I would regularly have women that would be you know professional women really well educated professional self-esteem is amazing but their personal self-esteem is absolute rubbish and mm. I think it's because of the way we rear women and we rare our boys and girls. We rare them differently in society. So boys and girls, the psychologists tell us, feel the same up to the age of seven. And after the age of seven, then they see the disparity in society, how sports is way more, way more sports coverage. Uh, for example, in the national TV stations, rather than women, women don't get a look in. Yet we're meant to be a 50-50 society. We're meant to be equal. So as women, we need to question this and say it's not good enough because we want to change it for generations to come. Because otherwise, this hormonal imbalance is going to go on and on. And remember, hormones control the immune system. So that's just one point. But gender inequality, even then in the church, there's not equality. And for too long, I think women have sat back and said, you know, we'll just let it. You know, they don't do enough about it. But unfortunately, by doing that, you're teaching, you're the mentor, a member for your children. So you're teaching your boys and girls that it's okay to not treat myself well, not love myself Mm. and try and do everything in the house and not ask for my partner's help. It's also possibly like an Irish guilt thing as well, where we feel like we need to be doing all things all the time. Yes, but I will correct you and say it's not an Irish guilt. It's a, a female guilt okay. only. Men don't feel guilty at all. And it's because they've been raised and I'm not downing men at all. I have two beautiful bo- twin boys of 15 that I adore. But, you know, it, it is we, something we, as women we must be very conscious of mm. because if boys are being brought up to feel very superior, feel very confident because they're being treated that way. OK, whereas women, girls are not. It's much 
much harder for them. They they could be brilliant at sport. I've, I have some amazing medical students. I've won in the hockey team, right? Look how, how good they are and how, where they to get to get some recognition. If, if they were boys, they would have got recognition all along. And that feeds into the whole of women looking after themselves. Yeah. So to go back, mm-hmm. perimenopause then, FSH goes up um, and the LH goes up. And that's, as I said, the hormones crash then at every nerve muscle junction. Okay, so we're feeling tired, we're feeling achy. Absolutely. Hot flashes haven't started yes. yet. And periods also may have got ever because FSH is rising and therefore you're getting a thick, more thickened endometrium. So you might get more heavy periods as well. Okay. okay. And that also will tire your hormone control centre. And that will go on then for for probably five years. And then menopause can happen anytime but from up to from 50 to age of 55 and that's where menses ceases completely right now what women need to know is that you can get here you go completely but that doesn't mean it's gone you might get another uh, absolutely terrible heavy period six months later so I always tell my patients carry pads with you in your bag because mm. it might come like a deluge and they need to be aware of that okay okay and that's really important so perimenopause mm. is sort of bridging the gap between yes. our fertile years absolutely and our not, not for tall years. And then is there a very obvious shift from perimenopause into menopause? Do we know, can we feel the difference? Yeah, usually women can because the symptoms get worse. So okay. the perimenopause symptoms you have, the symptoms do get worse in mm. menopause. Now you'll have the very occasional woman, and I mean occasional, that'll sail through. But the majority, do, you know, are tired, lethargic, aches and pains, bloating. Okay, and the majority. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so unspoken about because mm. I'm even just thinking back to my mom. She's 64 now. Apart from saying she was a bit warm or a bit hot sometimes, Mm. I don't think she ever wanted to complain Mm. or... You know, t- it's a taboo subject, I think, for so long. Why yeah, is that? Because women were treated like second class citizens. That's why mm. it wasn't. I mean, I, I deal with those cases. I hear the cases of the eight year olds who, who come into me and say, I had the most horrendous menopause, but my husband didn't want to know. He just didn't want to know. And those poor women, you know, rare 12 and 15 children. And they did the bulk of the work because that's the way it was yeah. then. So they, they they really suffered. I mean, they're, they're complete saints. But you, you do get that. And I think that's why it's very important you know, when I'm speaking, I, I invite people to bring their spouses as well. I want the spouses so and partners to get the education. Yes, well. I think they need to know how their spouses are suffering. How do I support them? Mm. Because I think, you know, the, the new age man we're, we're um, educating is, is going to be very supportive. It's as important that they mm. get the education as is the person going through it. Totally. Because you need that support. Because otherwise the marriage, the relationship is going to suffer. There's okay. all those reasons because, you know, as I, I spoke about the perimenopausal symptoms, but then if you move into menopause, not only have you the aches and pains and the bloating and the sweating and the flushing, but your vaginal dryness. And that does affect um, sexual relationships. And women need to know that there are things that they can use like vaginal gels and, mm-hmm. and creams. And they need to be educated by that because otherwise um, it would be very uncomfortable mm. and equally spouses need to know that as well okay and the other thing is that libido goes down a little uh, but it will come back once they, they, they recharge that's why the recharging is so important yeah. um, So the, and they have to and, and the big thing I find is women come in thinking that, that something is wrong that they're mentally ill which they're not at all and that's been oversubscribed okay. in women uh, in the past it's too easy to just say absolutely and that's 
why we need to say, look, the symptom of perimenopause menopause is exhaustion, is tiredness. And if one of the best things is to get them eating healthily, learn to love themselves. Very Mm -hmm. important. Put themselves first. Get rid of the guilt associated with sitting down. Listen to their bodies. And when their bodies tired, they sit Mm -hmm. and learn to say no and learn and build up their self-esteem. Because I can guarantee you if a man at menopause, they they would do (laughs) way better. Yeah, but they would also do way better because they're much better at listening Mm -hmm. to their bodies. They've got the self-confidence to sit down when they're tired. They don't overdo it. They're much better at saying no. And we need to teach women to do that as well. So you've got all the physical symptoms going on Mm. between perimenopause and then eventually menopause. But you also have the psychological impact where we've spoken about it already. You know, the the guilt or the not wanting to complain about it, but also the, the, I guess the loss of youth, which really is probably what a lot of women I imagine grapple with in that mm. because we, we equate our fertility to our youth so much. Yes, but I think again, we need to change that. that yeah. You know, it's all about changing an attitude and, cha- and, and changing the narrative. Mm-hmm. So as you know, going back to it, you know, men always felt they could go on forever. Right. Yeah. But women can as well. And actually we outlive men. So we need to put that and we need to sort of change our censure and say, and that's what I'm doing as well when I'm educating women about menopause and perimenopause. I'm saying, you know what? there is life after menopause and in Asia they call it the second spring Ashley Grimley has a fantastic website uh, called the second spring which she because she had an early menopause did to help women and it's very I would suggest that people should should look at it but I, I that's with second you know second spring is way more sexy <laughs> and it's all about teaching women there's no stigma forget about what you were told in the past yeah. this is a new beginning a new choice you don't have to worry about getting pregnant uh, there is life you have another 50 years after yeah. But you can embrace them and you love them. So it's all about how you approach. Uh, uh, menopause but it's the with, mindset the mindset which has been very negative Absolute negative so, so by long. us women changing the narrative and saying hang on that was all wrong you know we all know Sophie Loren looked amazing in her 80s Celia Holman Lee in Limerick looks amazing at 70 and good for these women and they're right they're, they're making the best of life and they're looking well and priding themselves in looking well mm. and I think we're seeing more and more of that and they're great mentors and do you think that what also helps is that we're kind of as a society moving away Away from equating, you know, having kids and a family as being the sole purpose Absolutely. of a woman. That you know, we're yeah, we have our careers, right. we have our hobbies, our interests. We want to travel. Like my parents are traveling more yes. now than they ever did. Yeah, absolutely. So, and I think yeah, you know, remember in the nineteen thirties and forties when most of our parents were born, it, there were very tough times. Yeah, and I think people came from that where they were afraid to spend money because there was no money. But I think now people are realizing, you know, life is short. Yeah. You're only going through it once. I'm not coming back again exactly. so Spend I make the money. best of it yeah. <laughs> yeah. and certainly women that are minding grandchildren uh, you know I'm always saying don't don't be doing it for seven days don't be doing it for five no. days by all means help out if you wish to but I want you to have your life you know I and think that's it's really so important, important well. yes yeah. yes really you mentioned um, earlier about for <clears throat> some women it can happen earlier mm. uh, mm-hmm. it can it can come on earlier than expected is that again because they're overworking themselves or over is that the main factor why it would no, I, I, in, in those women, there, there's there's a few causes. One, it can be autoimmune. Now, that would be autoimmune diseases more common in women. And if women burn out or get exhausted, you can cause the immune system to attack ovaries. And there's certainly that theory there. So there is a, a but that's very rare, thankfully. Okay. Right. Most of the early perimenopause tends to be genetic. So if mother had it, daughter will get it. But the majority, thankfully, don't get perimenopause till, till 45 uh, to 50 and then menopause 
menopause after that. And I think because of better nutrition, women are not because menopause is up to 53 to 55. Uh, so, so that would be the key. But I just want to say a little bit about symptom control, right? So as I said, firstly, I'm telling you to get your eight hours sleep. Firstly, I'm telling you to pace. I'm also saying eat healthily. So what I mean by that is you get rid of the sugar as much as possible because uh, sugar is toxic to the pituitary. It doesn't like it. OK, okay. so and again, remember, women's metabolism is slowing down because of the dropping estrogen. So it's all about, you know, you keep the, the, the figure fabulous if you cut down the sugar. But the real reason is I, I want it from, from a health point of view. So I want porridge in the morning with natural yogurt and fruit. Alternatively, you can just have natural yogurt and fruit. Mm-hmm. The key thing before you start, though, is hydration. So two glasses of water, two large glasses of water. Very important to get the bowel moving. Helps I'll have with my metabolism. water now. <laughs> Very good. Uh, but also we all know the importance of bowel health and there's huge research coming out saying that we really must increase hydration, but particularly in the morning. So <clears throat> then you get 11 o'clock, you can have another glass of water. And you get an apple. I've got into the habit of having an apple with my tea. We've got to get away from the biscuit with the tea. And then lunchtime, have lettuce, have tomatoes, have tuna, chicken, salmon, but only two slices of bread. So we've got to keep the carbohydrate low, particularly as metabolism is slowing down because you're going to put on weight right around the abdomen where we don't want it because that puts us risk of heart disease and cancer and so forth. And then in the um, three o'clock, have another apple with a cup of tea. You could have one banana, four apples, okay, <laughs> per day. And then in the evening, just half plate of green veg, one carb only. So one potato or a quarter plate of rice or a quarter plate of pasta, not a half plate. And then your uh, six ounces of red meat three days a week or your fish, oily fish preferably. And get the, get the water in before six o'clock, not mm-hmm. after six, because I don't want people getting up to go to the toilet and disrupting their sleep. So that's the diet, right? OK. And then after that, a lot of women would say, what can I add in? What can I do to help? So there are loads of natural supplements like Clean Marine, Menamin uh, does a lovely supplement because they've got the la- natural isoflavin phytoestrogens. They've got the vitamin B6, B12, which is very good for nervous function. They've got the biotin, which is good for hair because hair can get a little dry and and thin. So it helps with that. And they have the omega-3 because it's a heart is we when we lose oestrogen we we have higher risk of heart disease we go back to being the same risk as men after menopause and the other thing that it has is vitamin D and remember with lower oestrogen our bones become more brittle and we can develop osteoporosis so vitamin D is critical to getting calcium into the bones and we don't get enough of it in this climate okay so we can use things like that uh, you can take soy milk you can take soy butter you can take soy yogurt I always don't cautious and, and do discuss this with their GP or their pharmacist that they're not over supplementing. I don't want them taking loads of phytoestrogen for example mm-hmm. okay and then then if it is a thing that, that that's not enough symptom control and you still have a lot of peripheral nerve pain the, we, as endocrinologists and anaesthetists we use a lot of uh, medications just for peripheral nerve pain which work very well so low dose amitriptyline and low dose Neurontin work very very well in these patients uh, there's a again we need to get a drug labelling <clears throat> there is a uh, thought there that amitriptyline in the olden days at 300 milligrams was used as an antidepressant but in endocrinology we use it for at 10 and 25 for peripheral nerve pain in our diabetic population it works amazingly well and also in, the, in thyroids but it works brilliantly in menopause mm. and it's so cheap and we know 
what it does and it doesn't do because it's out for years. But I always write down in the prescription peripheral nerve pain because women have this notion and, and when they Google always used as an antidepressant in the past. But that was 300 milligrams is no longer available. OK. OK. And um, Neurontin then is the other one. And then there's a certain portion that actually do need HRT. Now, there's been a load of controversy, as we know, about HRT recently. But we as, as clinicians would be very, very careful about HRT anyway. We would, okay. It would always be our last resort. We would have gone through the other uh, the others that I've uh, pres- gone to you. But I see the more severe cases. Okay. I get the women coming into me who are taking their shirt off three times an hour, desperate flushing, desperate sweating. They would not be able to cope if they did not get HRT. And HRT, for anyone who isn't aware, is hormone replacement. Therapy. Hormone placement therapy, okay. absolutely. And that's different to the medications you just referenced. So the, re- the, the medications that you referenced help just to keep the symptoms on an even keel. Absolutely. And if that's not working for you, then, then HRT is a consideration. Absolutely. Okay. But as I said, my first prescription is lifestyle. Yes. That has to yes. change and that has to improve. Okay. And then next. And then, then we're on to HRT. Okay, so we, HRT is kind of probably the last resort. The last resort we try and build up and use. We, I, I certainly don't and a lot of my my colleagues, you know, would use HRT as the last resort because you cannot give it if there's history of breast cancer or ovarian cancer or womb cancer. So okay. those patients can't get it. But if there's not, there are certain patients that do need it, like the woman I just pres- uh, described. So they would get uh, low dose HRT. And I I just want to talk about the the um, pr- trial that came out just to take the uh, uh, fear off people. So in the natural course of events between the age of 50 to 69 in a, in a population of a thousand people, 63 out of a thousand women would get breast cancer anyway. Mm-hmm. OK, so that's without taking anything. So uh, from 50 to 69, you look at a population of a thousand, 63 of those women would get breast cancer anyway. If you add in HRT, you're in, you there's an extra 15 to 20 cases. Okay. okay, so it's only it is only a slight increase. And I, I do tell that to my patients, but obviously I'm obliged to tell them yeah. uh, about yeah, yes. that. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, we also must factor in that there's a lot of other causes uh, to breast cancer. For example, uh, obesity uh, is a much higher risk of breast cancer than HRT. Okay, and people don't realise that because fat cells uh, make oestrogen. So obesity is something we need to really curtail. And of course, we're living in a in a time when people are overeating, and so we need to really stress that because there's eight mm-hmm. percent of breast cancer is associated with uh, obesity and four percent with HRT. So we need to okay. get that message across. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that there are a certain group of population that absolutely need HRT and how does and it work? safe. So mm-hmm. how it works then is that we give the lowest dose possible, and that's what we've always been doing. But again. And that study did suggest that. And basically, it's the combined therapy we would use. So if you had a hysterectomy, you would only get oestrogen. But if the womb was intact, you need oestrogen and progesterone. And basically, it works as relieving the symptoms because it's, it's you know, if you're suffering from the lack of oestrogen, you have the sweating, flushing, um, the skin, you know, might be dry. So it'll help and the vaginal dryness, of course. Mm-hmm. It's going to help with all those symptoms. But the, the, you also, in addition, have to do all the lifestyle changes yes, as well. It's not that, a that's just absolutely a most yeah if you're going to run around ragged it's not going to it's not going to be as efficient as as it should be and is it an injection it's a patch or a tablet okay Okay. a patch or tablet and obviously you can use the vaginal creams so you can take a tablet or a patch most of us have been using the patch because it's twice a week women find it easier to use Mm -hmm. and they just take it off when they're showering put it back on again and Um, how effective has it been for women with very severe symptoms 
It is. It has been brilliant. And that that's why I, you know, when people say, oh, you can prescribe it, you know, I see the worst cases. Uh, I had a woman in recently and I would like to tell this story. Yes, because I think it's important. Do. But she was 53 and she came from uh, her mother had a horrendous menopause. Right. And her mother was put into an institution at the time for menopause. So this is the sort of thing that did happen. Right. Yeah. And this woman not only had severe menopause symptoms, but she had huge anxiety, which can happen as well. Mm-hmm. And she had such anxiety that she had to be with her husband at all times. Now, he was a long haul lorry driver, so he had to have her in, beside him in the cabin everywhere. And it obviously was very hard for him as well. So they both came in to see me and he said, look, Dr. you have to do something. She's just, you know, she can't leave my side. I can't go anywhere. She was so anxious. And this was a fabulous woman or everything yeah. all was fine up to menopause. Right. And she, the one thing she said is, Dr. Ryan, you know, don't put me into an institution because that's what happened to my mother. She was, she was put away for five years. That really did so happen. So that's probably what's given her the anxiety <clears throat> the fear course, that this is how it's going to be. Of course, of course. So she basically had desperate peripheral nerve pain, not sleeping. So it was all a vicious circle. So we treated that and also gave her HRT. And she was a new woman within oh a God. month. It was fabulous, you wow. know. So so we, every case has to be treated individually. Yeah. But that's just such a case. And also it's such a case that the, un, unfortunately the education wasn't there for her mother, uh, you know, previously. And, and that was harrowing. But equally, her daughter came in for the second visit and said, thank you so much. She said, oh. will I, you know, the one thing she said, I now was dreading menopause when my time comes. But she said, I'm not now. Yeah. Because naturally, there is something you can absolutely, do. Absolutely, because she had she heard the story about her grandmother. She had seen how bad her mother was, and of course, she thought, "Am I going to be the same?" Mm. So wonderful, wonderful, you know, story. But it really taught me we have to get out and educate. Yeah. We have to really, and we have to be very careful that we don't scaremonger about HRT as well. Because as I said, there's a certain subset of, of population that absolutely need it. Okay, and we're all as doctors very reticent to the fact that the people we don't prescribe it to, and thankfully we have the other medications there. That ha- that we can use, and the main concern with HRT is the breast cancer risk. So breast cancer and is, would be the big one, yes. Okay. But uterine cancer as well would be obviously there as well. Endometrial cancer. And are there any other side effects when you're taking? You know, I guess my fear is always um, if I've ever gone to the doctor for something, say I had an upset tummy or I had a a cold or, or some kind yeah. of flu and he's like I'm going to give you this medication that will help this problem but it's going to give you this other problem like it was going to make me sick in my stomach but it was solving and yeah. I was like oh my god I, I, I just didn't want you know mm. it was kind of the lesser of two evils No it's very well tolerated okay. HRT is very well tolerated and I said most women, women do go for the patch because it's just easy twice a week but some go for the tablet Yes You mentioned earlier about the dinner plate of your quarter carbs mm. your vegetables and your meat mm. Are you noticing that in this day and age where veganism and vegetarianism has become so popular from an environmental perspective and there's all these documentaries coming out mm. which are probably I mean I'm definitely guilty of watching them and thinking oh, I never I can never eat meat again if we're not if we're not having meat is that impacting our menopause? Well, one of the things that I, I worry about uh, with vegetarianism and I'm not I'm not condemning it, but one of the things I see with my patients is they don't get the, the adequate protein intake. And okay. that's um, certainly something I get concerned about. And particularly in puberty and when you're having periods, you know, you're losing a lot of iron. So it's got to be replaced. Okay. So I do see quite a few vegetarians and vegan people coming into me low in iron. And that's one thing I, I'm concerned about. So it's very important they go to a good guy, dietitian and they find out exactly 
exactly how much iron they need to take mm -hmm. because, you know, you, you, iron, remember, carries oxygen. So that's key to every tissue in your body, every cell in your body and key to your energy levels. Right. Yeah. So it's so important that, that, that they don't. So they need to be informed correctly and they also need to go and get, get the proper advice from a dietitian or nutritionist. Very important because mm -hmm. I see too many that are very anemic. Women listening who are feeling like, oh, my God, like that poor woman who's thinking I'm going to end up in, in an institution. Yes. Yeah. What is perfectly normal? Is there a spectrum of, of just completely that that is so normal textbook menopause or perimenopause? Is it that, that just talk me through the symptoms and then is there anything that is outside of that that you would think really should go and see someone? OK, so so the aches and pains, the um, exhaustion, the flushing, sweating, the IBA, the irritable bowel, the bloating, passing wind, belching, tossing and turning at sleep. The one that I, I also want to mention is that memory, you know, where memory becomes affected. Now, there's two reasons for that. Low estrogen, um, estrogen is, is um, known to be important for synapse function for memory, right, mm -hmm. in the brain. But with low estrogen, obviously, that's affected. So, uh, again, one of the big reasons, though, is because women are overtired, and they're not sleeping. So that's where in those women, it's very useful to, to get that peripheral nerve problem sorted and relax those muscles and then they sleep very well okay because as we all remember baby brain when women have babies and they're exhausted and they can think of things around six months after having a baby mm. and that's purely because they're exhausted yeah. they're getting up at night now we're teaching women to share the load with their partner um, and I'm Damn certainly straight. <laughs> yes and I'm also one of those that's saying great breastfeeding might suit you but it also mightn't suit you because some women just can't tolerate lack of sleep and when you're breastfeeding it is your your lack is on a tap and the baby wants to feed all night but those women don't sleep so if you can tolerate that grind but if you can't then you can't do it and it's very important that as doctors we come and say that because I need to take the guilt away from women they're not doing damage to your baby not by not breastfeeding because some women just can't they can't tolerate yeah. that lack of sleep and they're going to come in to me with severe hormone imbalance so, mm. and that's not some point I want to say but the, the lack of sleep is a big problem okay tossing and, and turning and lack of sleep is, is huge for every, it's huge because we're, you were working and you can't can't go in exhausted and your immune system is going to be affected that's going to put you at risk of cancer but mm. also all coughs and colds and so forth so that that's a big issue right I'm reading a book called Why We Sleep at the moment mm. I just started it last night and I can't remember the name of the author but I, already I was like oh my god people just do not have enough respect mm. for sleep mm. absolutely it's, totally especially women um, yeah, where well we I, feel like it's this badge of honour like oh I got by in four hours yeah, sleep no, I mean I'm one of those that needs my eight hours and if you work hard I always say you do but I, I really do believe and, the, and we need to start getting to bed early as well because mm -hmm. light helps ho uh, hormones remember so if you're in bed at 10 o'clock and up at 7 uh, it, that's much better than going to bed at 12 and getting up at 10 because you're losing all those light hours and light energy drives hormone okay, so that's okay. really important but anyway to yeah. go back to, to women so basically they have all those symptoms that I said but then you will have and, and you know we'll say what I would, would see is that you'd have 40% that would have those and they do fine on the, the, um, the, the lifestyle advice and take their supplements um, and then you would have another 30% that would be worse, way worse than that and they wouldn't be sleeping and they would have desperate peripheral nerve pain and they might need they would definitely need intervention okay. and then you've you've another and, and half of them might also need HRT but they might not but that other 20% absolutely need HRT because they're just flushing terribly, sweating terribly, taking their uh, shirt off or their blouse off all the time. And um, that's very, very uncomfortable. And do you think there's a lot of women who are in that um, category of very severe symptoms mm. who are not addressing it because... 
totally. feel like they shouldn't. Totally, yeah, totally. And what I would think you it's say to those important. women? So for, go to your go to your doctor and uh, talk about it. Um, there's lo- go to that second spring website. There's loads of menopausal, um, really good um, advice now that you can get. But definitely go and discuss it. And um, but tell them that you know really tell them the truth how bad it is. Tell them you're changing the sheet three nights a week. Tell them you're taking your shirt off, having to change it. You know five times a day, and 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 discuss that you you know HRT you would like provided it's safe to do so. But then there's other medications you could take. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned um, the the other medications for peripheral nerve because they also reduce sweating. We've also got a tablet called clonidine, which is also used as an anti-hypertensive drug that actually reduces flushing mm-hmm. as well. So there is so many options there's out there. So for people. many options. There's they so don't many have to options. Suffer in silence. Absolutely. Oh God, they mustn't because I see the relief in women when they come back into me and they the say, Dr. Ryan, I feel so great. I really feel. And these are ones that weren't sleeping. You, you give them the tablet to uh, help with the peripheral nerve symptoms that also reduces the sweating. And they, they just felt like their life had, had yeah. begun again. Whereas up to that, they were just hating. And I think crucially, I, I imagine when you're going through it, you think that this is just the way it is now for me, but it does end. You do oh, it does. And that, that's the beauty as well. Now, it, does come, it may come back. Okay. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, it goes, say, so women usually say to me, Dr. Ryan, when, so we're saying it, like, say, just on average now it's coming on to age 53 so it'll go definitely five years after that mm. now in the occasions I see a few that it comes back in their late 60s and 70s and that's cruel but unfortunately it does mm. but the majority they can say goodbye to it forever at about 57 definitely menopause I think is something that women only really confront or learn about when they're in it when they're in the thick of mm. it with the symptoms because we talked about that lack of awareness up yeah. until now um, especially women my age so I'm I'm 31 and now I'm looking at things like fertility which again I know so little about because mm. it hasn't been something that I've been facing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how important is it for for women at a younger age to understand menopause and to know that what we do at this age is going to help later on. Okay, so so basically um, there's a few questions in that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really important that we educate women and men, not just women, as yeah. I said, men, because uh, this is, uh, it's a part of evolution. It's going to happen every woman naturally and f- very occasionally surgically because women might have had their ovaries removed. But it'll happen almost all w- girls and women when they reach a certain age. Um, it's, a, it's a natural phenomenon. We've got to approach it with positivity, right? That's why education is needed. And there's we're now providing loads of education I was only teaching, lecturing at the M conference there two weeks mm-hmm. ago and we're doing our best to educate. I've been right around the country doing um, talks with Lean Marine as well So and Lorraine Keane. So we're doing our best to educate but it's so important that women and, and young girls know this is not something to be afraid of. It's a natural phenomenon. There's loads of help out there and it's it, we're going on for our second spring and you know what, we're going, please God, going to get to 90 anyway. But it's also a, 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 an important time to address your health check am I healthy am I the right weight am I eating healthily is my cholesterol normal if I'm overweight get the get rid of the abdominal obesity because remember as women around the, that time we put on weight around our tummy because metabolism is slowing down we don't want abdominal fat because that causes diabetes and heart disease we don't want it so it's it's a time for women to uh, uh, in a positive way address their health and say am I doing enough and get all the other parameters looked at blood pressure uh, if I'm smoking quit it immediately you know uh, that that's really important and and then approach it all positively but the most important thing is that there is help help out there and go and get it mm-hmm. and it's about women loving themselves enough to, to do that as I always say to women if it was your daughter 
and you knew she was suffering, what would you do? And she said, I'd make sure she goes to the doctor and I'd make sure she does everything. Well, I said, why aren't you doing it? Yeah, you know, so true. It's, it's women have to learn to love themselves as much as they love their children. And that's why I, I'm I'm really always talking about high self-esteem because it's lacking in women. I see it all of the time. And I have CEOs coming into me and their personal self-esteem is rubbish, but yet they're rocking it inside in the boardroom. And it's because they haven't, they've never been told how brilliant they are. Mm -hmm. They don't know how good they are. They didn't hear it as a young child. Okay, so something we have to be aware of. And I I, I really tie that in. And a book I'd love your listeners to get is The Power is Within You by Louise Hay. That's an amazing book. And um, it's really because women need to learn how to love themselves. And once they do that, they will take all the lifestyle advice. They will really look after themselves, look after their health and look after themselves for first. Mm-hmm. They'll attend to their own masks first. That's what women don't do. And they've got to do it. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're told so often to love ourselves and appreciate ourselves. And sometimes we're like, I don't have time for that. But yeah. actually, for me, it's very empowering to hear that if mm. you take the time to do that, it's not just that you'll feel better psychologically, but you'll actually have the confidence to address an issue such as the menopausal symptoms Mm. so that you can get relief, so that you can go back to living your life. Totally, totally. So it's the psychological education piece is is as important as knowing about the hot flashes and the what's going on and mm. the, you know, the hormones. Uh, absolutely. And remember, you're not being fair to your partner and your children if you don't look after yourself at this time as well, because you're not a nice person to be with if you're yeah. irritable and so forth. So it's really important that you do uh, look after yourself. And there's loads of education now, mm. so there is no excuse. But definitely, uh, you know, look forward to it because embrace it and and you will sail through it now because, you know, there is help out there. And it will pass. And it will pass. Yeah. And you have another 40, 50 years to looking fabulous, yes. you know, but I, I really do think that as women, we need to start looking after ourselves. We need to change the narrative and we need to embrace womanhood and say it's great to be a woman and forget this saying where it's a man's world. It's a woman and man's world. Remember, we're all equal and we yeah. need to really set that. And as women, we need to voice our opinion more and stop letting things pass and, you know, demanding equality across the spectrums. Mm. Yeah, I it's also vital. think for, for from what I'm hearing from you with menopause, it's very important that we also change the narrative around getting older and you know stop dreading the 40th and the 50th and the 60th birthday and stop feeling as though you know we're we're, we like do our living in in our 30s Mm, and 40s mm. and then we're just you know withering away like it's it's such an unhealthy way to be and it's not fair on women and there's so much more to life after that absolutely and And I get worried when I see I'm not happy the way things are going quite honestly I've young female patients coming into me in 13 14 gorgeous looking girls coming into me fertility problems and they've Botox lips yeah and they're and they are I shouldn't say Botox lips but you know the lips that are fillers fillers, yeah and they have Botox and they're gorgeous looking girls and I I I had a 14 year old another week and I said to her what are you doing? A 14 year old? 14 year old she had her lips done and she had Botox and I said what are you doing you're fabulous and she's I said do you not realise you're fabulous you don't need this but I think you know in this social media age where we're seeing other people like Kardashians doing it girls feel they should be doing it as well and I just think we need to say to women love yourself as you are you're fabulous and and we need to stop doing that because Mm. I worry when I see it. women should be getting more confident because we mentors are there encouraging it I'm, I'm 
disappointed to see that teenagers aren't getting more confident. Yeah. And I, I think there's too much of an influence from social media. So again, as parents, if they're listening to this podcast, they might just, you know, the way you up your self-esteem of your, of your daughter is you tell her how beautiful she is. Mm. You don't criticise her. You tell her she's wonderful, she's gorgeous in every way and try and get her to stop uh, watching those people that are, uh, you know, have every filter done but are not saying they have it yeah. done and they're trying to assume something that is not possible. It's there's ridiculous. Just, yeah, there's this obsession with like staying youthful looking in the face mm. and I myself now I felt I have found myself kind of conflicted sometimes thinking oh am I getting too many wrinkles like are they premature and obviously like I look yeah. after my skin but I really think people need to look at getting older as uh, such a privilege absolutely absolutely like how lucky to be able to grow old yeah and live a life and be healthy like that is the goal but I men think. aren't doing this you say okay bar the very odd rock star or whatever and, and that's their choice yeah. but I think women as women we need to look at that and we need to be very conscious of the fact that that's happening and it's not a good thing actually mm. okay so we should love ourselves as we are and by all means when you're in 60s if you have a little wrinkle and you want to get Botox fine yeah. I'm not saying that but whatever makes you feel the best for the age that you're at but I dread seeing 13, 14 and, and even in their 20s getting it done and I'm yeah seeing it a lot and I think it's a pity and I think I, that's why I really believe we have to do a lot more about empowering young girls mm. and, and, and women we well, really have a lot of work to do Dr Mary Ryan you are one woman who is certainly doing her part to empower women all over the country um, I can't thank you enough for sharing your incredible wisdom and knowledge with me today I don't doubt that women of all ages will find this podcast helpful and yeah thank you so much you're an absolute well of information you're welcome thank you very much thank you